Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host for this episode. This is Coffee and Questions. I guess we're going to call it Coffee and Questions 1 for 2003. Uh, even though I think this is like technically Coffee and Questions like number 7 or 8. I know you guys like these and I'm happy to do them. I mean, it, I think it's an easy format. So you're making my job pretty damn easy because all I got to do is I just got to print out a whole bunch of these responses that I get on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, in text messages. Although if you guys are text messaging me, you probably have my phone number, which means that you'll get a response whether you listen to this podcast or not. But uh, for those of you that don't have my phone number and you just want your answers or want answers to your questions, that's what this is all about. So as the name implies, it's coffee and questions. Guys, I've got my coffee right here. And I'm sure our marketing guy would probably love for me to say, hey, you can get one of these Yeti mugs at our Fuelcraft store. And then you can use a Stella 15 as like a 15% discount. I don't care what you drink your coffee in. Just get your coffee. Uh, if you want to put coffee grinds in your mouth and chew on them, go for it. If that's how you get your rocks off, good for you, buddy. Um, the coffee today, Gunship from Black Rifle Coffee. This is a light roast. And I like light roasts, I think more than than dark roasts. Something that you guys should know about me, I, I drink my coffee lighter, you know? I do drink it black, but I do like the light roasts that are black as opposed to like the super, super, like super strong coffee. And uh, the total opposite is true of my beer preferences. Give me the darkest porter you can possibly imagine, and that's what I'm gonna drink. Not a lot of beer, like I'll maybe have two at the most if I'm at home and I try not to drink when I'm out and about. Um, but coffee, light beer, dark, that's how I roll. All right. So guys, as always, I've got all my questions in front of me. I'm going to go through these one by one. Let me grab my marker here and that way I can keep track of where I am and let's get through it. I think I have 28 and a few of you guys asked multiple questions. So guess what? You're getting those answers. Here we go. First question comes from filmer.josh designated fire kit or multiple, I'm sorry, or spread multiple sources out in pockets on and off the body. Okay. If you put all your eggs in one basket and you lose the basket, you are going to be SOL. I like the idea of having redundant layers on my person and on my kit. You guys know that I'm a stickler for consistency with EDC. So every single day, right front pocket is a Swiss army knife with an exotac fire rod. Every single day, right front pocket. Every single day, left front pocket, there's always a Bic lighter with uh, Ranger bands on it, okay? Uh, bicycle inner tubes that you cut into rubber bands. Just because I carry that on my person, right? On my person, doesn't mean I don't have to carry a dedicated fire kit in my bag. I do carry a dedicated fire kit, okay? And that's gonna be a more robust ferro rod it's going to be another lighter, except the one in my bag is gonna have a fire sleeve on it, which is a, a water resistant housing for your Bic lighter. And then I'm gonna have better tinder on me, okay? And tinder, favorite tinder is just cotton balls and petroleum jelly, right? Vaseline cotton balls. So the, the answer to your question, do I carry multiple sources in my pockets? Yes. And do I carry a designated fire kit? Yes, I do. Um, and all of your training partners, all the people that you travel with, they should be carrying multiple fire starters as well, because if you lose your kit, if you're lost, then your party can still build fire later on. Okay. This next question, question number two comes from Hunter McKay Williams. When is the Winkler knife coming out? 
Uh, there's no secret. I am doing a collaboration with Winkler Knives. This has been two or three years in the making. It was actually before I joined Fieldcraft. And the knife that's coming out is an homage to the Loveless style knives. I've been a big fan of Bob Loveless knives. And it's also a knife that is going to be uh, designed, or it is designed, heavily on the knife that I carried at the Wilderness Learning Center when I was a survival instructor there from 2007 to 2012. It's going to be called the General Purpose. I know that Winkler has a knife called the General already, so I may need to change the name to something else. I'm not sure what that's going to be just yet, but it's based off the knife that my late mentor, Marty, really, really loved, and he carried it. So uh, when is that coming out? 2023. I just got to figure out when Winkler is able to fit it into the schedule. You know, this guy named Jack Carr, you know, you might have heard of his books, Terminal List. You might have seen Chris Pratt in the Terminal List carrying a Winkler Hawk. Well, Jack Carr is the Winkler knife salesman of the century. So uh, he's got to fit it into the schedule of making all those knives. So when is it coming out? 2023. And it's going to be freaking awesome. All right. Next question. Sias.usthusian. Favorite coffee? Well, Black Rifle Coffee's up there, right? Black Rifle Coffee and Fieldcraft, we're friends. But there are a lot of good coffees out on the market. I love a good Kona coffee. So not necessarily a brand, but a type. Love Hawaiian coffee. To this day, the strongest coffee I've ever had in person was in Costa Rica. And it was this little tiny cup of coffee, not a, like a cafecito, like you get at like Lunette's Bakery right next to us over here at Fieldcraft, North Carolina. But it was just like this little like four or five ounce cup of coffee. And I swear to God, it was the strongest coffee I've ever had. But overall, if you had to say, hey, what's your favorite coffee? Kona. All right. This next question, number four, Huntar W. What's the best way to start camping? Take some classes or just gear up and head out? All right, man. Think about camping. Think about what you need to camp. You need to recreate your house outdoors. You need shelter. You probably need to take care of bathroom needs and you need to take care of your kitchen. So the best way to start camping is to start small. Start in your backyard. What I would recommend is that you do some backyard training. If you have a backyard, Set up the tent that you're going to buy, and I don't recommend you go out and spend four or $500 on a tent right away. You may invest in camping and then realize, I don't like this investment. <laughs> so I'd say go to like Walmart and get yourself a budget tent. Try it out for a while. It'll last the season, right? And you'll find that it's going to be heavier. So car camping is probably going to be more interesting and more desirable than backpacking that expensive, uh, I should say, backpacking that heavy, less expensive tent, but that less expensive tent will last you through your first season. And if you're just car camping, that's all you really need. So uh, the best way to start camping is to start in your backyard. And if it gets too cold or if it gets uncomfortable, go back inside. If you find that you need something, chances are it's in your house. And the other thing is talk to friends that already camp and see if you can borrow equipment, right? We're in a crazy economy right now where all consumer goods are more expensive. So see if a friend will let you borrow something. Uh, see if they'll let you borrow uh, the tent, if they'll let you borrow a camping stove, right? I mean, Jesus, I have plenty of camping stoves. You can borrow one. So uh, you can take classes, right? Go to your local granola hippie store and and take the classes on you know basic backpacking and things like that. And you're going to see that there's some common overlap. You're going to need to have a mess kit, something that you can eat out of. If you're just starting, get 
plastic and, and styrofoam and stuff like that. Um, and then you can invest later on in your better stainless steel and titanium kits. But start off small. Do not try to bite off a big chunk of the camping you know, nugget. I would say start off small. Start in your backyard. Once you start in your backyard, go to a local car camping place where it's like a private campground. Drop all the stuff into a Rubbermaid bin. Head out. And then uh, what I'd recommend is camp there. From there, you can downsize into smaller backpacking gear if that's what you're interested in doing. Go on a short backpack hike somewhere or stay in that car camping area, but live out of your backpack, see if that's comfortable, and then push it further and further as you go. All right, here we go. From PH54956, I held off, but I love wool. So both the cold weather, um, CWO, cold weather outfit yeah pw sweater colors ordered hmm what next man if you like the commando sweater that prometheus design works makes take a look at their watch caps they have some really good watch caps um my hunting buddy dave p who has been on this podcast before when he was in the ranger regiment he said that they always carried two watch caps one that they traveled in and one that they put on when they stopped so I'm a big fan of, of having a wool watch cap to keep my, my head warm. I just have a hard time finding one that fits this monster freaking dome. Uh, next question. N. Ruland 1. Best shit hit the fan stove grill for base camp at home during emergency. Dude, I've been using a Primus uh, double burner stove for well over a decade. I know it's been well over a decade because back in 2012, I purchased it to teach a private class to a, a friend of mine who used to be the writer director of NCIS LA. And I have photos of me using it then. So if you get a decent two burner camping stove and Primus isn't the only company that makes it, I know uh, Coleman makes, makes one as well. You can get an adapter to use a five pound propane tank and you can keep that five pound propane tank at your house. But then if you're traveling, you can either carry that or carry the small disposable ones. Um, I really like that stove. It's sturdy. You have two burner, so you can do multiple pots or pans. So that's the one I'm going to go with. All right. Also from N. Ruland one favorite coffee maker in the field. You know, I've tried a few different instant coffees. I've done the Kuyu pour over coffee, which is really freaking good. Um, I like the black rifle coffee. Um, I think it's called like black powder, the instant coffee packets. Those are really great because all you need is just a metal canteen cup and you pour the powder into boiling water, uh, or better yet, because you don't want super hot water, you, like not boiling. You want it. I think it's like 200 degrees. Uh, that's my favorite instant coffee. We have a place here locally called cactus jacks. Uh, it's got a, another thing you put in the water. It's kind of like a tea bag and the longer you let it sit, the stronger it gets. It's okay. You know, I still like the Black Rifle Coffee though. That's that's my go-to. All right. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. Question number eight. Here we go. Mark Sat0811. Favorite tweaks or homemade improvements you've made to gear? All right. So let's start with EDC items. Favorite tweaks I've done to homemade gear. The first thing is when you get a Bic lighter, it's going to have a child lock on it or a child like uh, band around the wheel, take a small screwdriver, pop that thing right off. You'll find that it's going to be a lot easier to flick your Bic when that thing is taken off. 
okay? It's not gonna destroy the lighter. Just put a screwdriver in there, pop it off, and now you have a lighter that's gonna work better. If you put those bicycle inner tubes around your lighter or around your chapstick, chances are you're probably not going to lose them. If you sit down on someone's couch, it's not gonna end up in the cushions. Uh, other tweaks I've made to gear. Um, shrink wrap. Shrink wrap is great stuff. Uh, this is a, a hack that comes from Tuhan Tom Kyer of Sayak Tactical Group. DJ Shipley talks about this uh, in one of his podcasts on, on Patreon. But shrink wrap can go around your flashlight. And if you put shrink wrap and a small piece of bungee cord um, around it, now you have the ability to hold your flashlight without dropping your flashlight when you open up your hand. Probably one of my favorite hacks. I've shown this to a bunch of people. And I always give credit where credit is due. And those are my, my tribe members from STG. So that's way up there for favorite, favorite hacks or tweaks to homemade gear. Um, you know, you can get a 35 millimeter film case. I know it's a dinosaur or a surplus GI case or a Nalgene small, like one ounce bottle. And you can put a piece of paracord in that with a knot on the bottom or a knot in a washer and then pack it filled with Vaseline cotton ball. And when you pull that cord, it dispenses the Vaseline cotton. So that's another one. I mean, there's a lot of different hacks that are out there. Um, you know, former, I think Creek was a former SEER instructor, but Creek Stewart, solid instructor. Uh, he has a whole book on like survival hacks, you know, and I'd recommend that you guys check him out. Okay, we're on the second page of these responses. All right, next question comes from Zach Fumio, F-U-I-M-O. Sorry if I'm screwing that name up, Zach. What's your experience with BJJ? Do you find it functional in real life situations? Favorite submission? All right, so my background in BJJ, I'm a purple belt under Chris Smith of IMBCT in Connecticut. Um, I try to avoid fights as much as possible. And my experience with BJJ is that it's a great alternative to striking. So if you think about it, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is referred to as the gentle art. But if you do it correctly, there's nothing gentle about it. I can tell you that I have had to choke someone out. <laughs> um, you know, I smile about it because he was a friend, but he was also, uh, well, let's just say, I, I don't even want to tell that story. Uh, it's a good one. Makes you smile. Um, but the cool thing about BJJ is it's pressure testing, right? And it's also uh, merit-based. You're not getting promoted unless you're capable, right? If you're getting tapped out constantly by white belts, you're probably not going to become a blue belt. And if you're getting tapped out constantly by blue belts, you're probably not going to become a purple belt. Um, I haven't trained as much as I should in the past few years, but I've got a local contact here that wants me to start doing that. Um, so I'm going to be training more. Now, do I find it functional in real life situations? Well, what is a real life situation? It doesn't involve mats on the ground. Um, if you shoot a good double leg where you're doing like a knee drag, you probably are going to bash your knee on the concrete. Now, will that work in grass? Pfft, hell yeah. Um, but I also want to realize real life scenario, there are things called weapons that get involved. And if you're not training weapons in your grappling, like <laughs> think about it this way, right? A lot of people want to do this where, you know, they throw a gun down and you're both fighting for the gun. Well, do they ever let you pull a blade? Right. Um, or if someone's doing a gun grab, 
I get it. There are things that you can do where you're trapping the pistol and you're, you're breaking the grip or you're double underhooking their arms when they're trying to grab with two hands. But see how that game changes when you give the person with the pistol a blade in their other strong hand. That's Sayak. That, to me, is reality-based training. Um, I'm a believer in making sure that your training reflects reality. Um, one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of battle belts, I don't wear a battle belt every single day, but I do carry a pistol and a blade in my regular pants. So favorite submission. I'm a long, lanky dude, right? Like I'm just over six feet tall, but I have ape factor. Like my arms are longer than I am tall. So I like arm triangles, head and arm chokes. Um, head and arm choke is a Swiss army knife of submissions, right? You've got all different head and arm chokes you can do. It's kind of like Filipinos are the Swiss army knives of ethnicities. If I need to be, I can be Native American. I can be Hawaiian. I can be, uh, you know, whatever. I can be Hispanic. I can, I can be anything I want because I'm Filipino, right? We can look like a lot of different things. Uh, all right. Next question. Big Sky 211. Big Sky 2111. Are you picking up any Gen 2 MagPods when they drop? Yeah. Uh, I like the MagPod as a monopod for my AR-15. When I'm shooting that rifle, which recently we just did a video, Kevin Owens, myself, of mounting a Vortex 1-10 to Razor on a Geissele Super Precision mount. When I'm shooting that, I like a bipod. But if I can't get a bipod or if it's too heavy, then I want to use the magazine. And a MagPod is a great, great tool. So, yeah, I'll pick one up. Actually, I'll pick up three because they're sold in packs three. All right, next question. Shaney.Dutch77. How's dad still doing push-ups? Well, at the time of recording this, my dad is two days shy of his 84th birthday. Um, my dad is a beast. You know, it's been five months since we lost my mom. My dad has pretty much uh, kept doing his routine. In addition to push-ups, he's also doing this thing that he calls jogging, which isn't really jogging. It's, it's like running in place. But he's very proud of, of doing 200 reps on each leg every single day. And I've walked in on him, you know, visiting my, my childhood home. Um, I've walked in on him like jogging in place. He's still very much an advocate for physical fitness. And he's doing well despite losing his life partner. I mean, my mom and my dad were together, uh, married for 53 years and 11 months. And he told me recently, uh, he's like, yeah, I was only together with your mom for a short time. And I'm like, dad, you're with her for 54 years married and you were with her for a year or two before that. He goes, yeah, but it's short to the lifetime that we're going to have after we, after I die. I'm like, whoa. So my dad is, is doing well. Um, total stud and love him to death. Love you, dad. All right. Next question. Josh underscore M 1008. What is the difference between the emergency medical treatment first aid trauma? Uh, I think this class or this question has to do with all the different classes. It cut out before uh, I could print out this whole thing. Well, we have a few different classes we do at Fieldcraft Training. We have emergency first response um, or emergency medical response. That class is kind of like a TCCC type of course where you're learning about tourniquets, wound packing. You're learning about the March assessment and how to uh, prepare a patient for greater care. Then there's austere med. Austere med is when you don't have the items that you wish you had, but you just kind of have to make do. Uh, that course is a great one for people that are traveling to foreign countries because you may not want to travel with military looking quick clot 
to sensitive countries where you're probably going to get stopped. But what can you use instead of that for wound packing? What can you use to treat burns and so forth? So a little nugget is you can use uh, shaving cream and saran wrap for burns instead of the, the burn dressing. Simple thing. One will get you a secondary security screening. The other one looks like you're cooking and shaving your face. So uh, that's a austere med. And then we have a cold weather med course, which is really designed to help you deal with cold related problems. And, you know, there are issues. People think, oh, if someone gets cold, just reheat them. Well, if you reheat someone too quickly, they go into shock. So there are a lot of differences with these courses and you're going to learn different ways of treating patients from the different instructors we have, right? Jerry is a former cop EMT. Adam Neep is a, is an RN. Uh, Doc, <laughs> Doc Mack is a actual medical doctor, PhD. So you're going to learn different standards of care from these different folks, but the concepts are all the same and the life experiences are a little bit different. So you can take a course multiple times and get something out of it multiple times. All right. Next question. DL Barnett 11 Kafaru pack for one day overnight. Oh yeah. Um, guys, I'm a Kafaru junkie. I've been using Kafaru products since 2006. Jerry Young, I'm blaming Jerry on getting me hooked on Kafaru. And prior to using Kafaru, I was using Mountain Smith day packs owned originally by Patrick Smith, who founded Kafaru. So I've been using Kafaru stuff for probably 20 years now. And I'm good friends with them. Full disclosure, Kafaru sponsors me. They've sent me a bunch of stuff for free. So take it for what it's worth. You know, Kafaru is family to me. They treat me well. And I'm going to tell you that they're an awesome company. But I would tell you that whether I paid for it or not, because I definitely spent a lot of money on their stuff before they started sending me stuff for free. So my favorite pack that they have for overnight is the Shape Charge with the Sherman Pocket. It's about the size of an old school three-day assault pack. And honestly, if you're packing more than that for an overnight, you're probably packing way too much. You can fit your mess kit in there. You can fit your sleeping bag, some extra clothes. You can fit your shelter and a few things to play with around the fire, like some extra knives and hatchets and stuff like that. So if I have to choose one for an overnight, then it's going to be the shape charge with the, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, the shape charge with the Sherman pocket. Okay. This next question. Okay. Nate, Nader Tater Outdoors. Nader Tater. I feel like there's, there's a response just to that, that username. Um, Nader Tater. Tater. If you guys are fans of Yellowstone, you know all about Tater. All right. Coffee time. I'm getting delirious. Okay. Uh, Kevin, love you, man. Now for the question. Have you went free diving before slash spearfishing? The answer is yes. First time I ever did that is with my buddy, Joe Zilla, uh, down in Marion, North Carolina. We were spearfishing for sunfish on a friend's property. And I still have photos of me jumping into that disgusting pond after, I'm sorry, no, jumping into the pond after being in a disgusting cave with a hog-nosed snake uh, that we found. And there were like moths all over the place. And I was like, I got to get in the water. So I jumped from the hill into the pond. Then we went spearfishing. Weird story. Uh, but no, the, the best spearfishing I've ever done was in Hawaii. I went with a, with a guy out there and, you know, I've got my wetsuit on, I've got my my Hawaiian sling and I've got an actual spear gun and we're, we get out to the spearfishing area. You know, we're pulling, you know, if you've ever seen Baywatch, the rescue tube, we're pulling the rescue buoy, we're pulling the rescue buoy that has uh, like a stringer going from it. So we get out a couple hundred yards from shore. We go down, he's showing me the basics. You know, he nails something right away and he's like, oh yeah. So when you go spearfishing, 
it's all about being calm and, and kind of move with the, the flow of the, the ocean. I'm like, all right. So we, we dive down and the, the wetsuit gives you some buoyancy. So you're like struggling against the current and like you're, you're moving around. I'm watching this, this native Hawaiian. He's just totally chill, nailing stuff left and right. So I'm like gassed, right? I'm, I'm swimming, you know, holding onto the buoy every once in a while. And he tells me, he goes, by the way, there's a giant tiger shark that's out here. But as long as you let it know that you're out here, you kind of look at it, it'll, it'll be cool with you. And I'm like, holy shit. So I never saw this tiger shark. I don't think I'd want to like just bite me in half and end my life. Don't make me shit my pants before I, I die. Um, but that was a really cool experience. And I still have a photo of when we took our lunch break and uh, we're on the beach. We go back to the buoy and there's a moray eel that's about three feet long that impaled itself on one of the fish that was on the stringer. So there's moray eels all over the coastline of Hawaii. So this moray eel bit onto a fish and it bit to the point where it couldn't get its mouth off of the fish and it died on the stringer. So that night, uh, I didn't have the best of luck with spearfishing. I got a couple, but uh, the moray eel was delicious with teriyaki sauce. All right, long-winded story. Let's keep moving. Okay, DL Barnett 11. Again, considerations for choosing to stay slash displace from vehicle in winter storm. Well, this one just played out in Buffalo, New York. And there were a lot of people who uh, actually perished in their vehicles and perished in the, in the cold. There's a guy who a friend of mine just sent me a link. He actually left his vehicle. He broke into a school and then he opened up the school for people that were stranded in their vehicles. So I would say the first thing that you need to consider is, can you ride out the storm in your vehicle? If you have a sleeping bag, if you have plenty of, uh, of heat sources, maybe you want to ride out the storm. Second thing is, where's the location? Are you far from home? Are you in the middle of a field somewhere, middle of a highway where there, you don't see cars coming? If you see buildings that you can walk to, go to the freaking building. Um, Always remember that expression, better weapon, better position, right? It's an expression we use in, in martial arts. What's better than me using my fist to defend myself? Well, give me an impact weapon. What's better than an impact weapon against three people? Maybe a projectile weapon. What's better than being, you know, in someone's guard? How about standing over them, cracking them in the head with elbows? Um, there's always a better weapon. There's always a better position, right? And you can define weapon as a tool, right? Better tool, better position. So what's better than being stranded in your car? How about being stranded in a building during a storm? And that building is loaded with supplies, as was the case in, in Buffalo, New York. So uh, by the way, if you guys are following Buffalo, New York, or if you like that whole Buffalo, New York area with all that crazy lake effect snow, um, Dr. Tracy Fanara, who we've had on the podcast before, she's from there and she's constantly posting about that. So check that out. So what are my considerations for staying or displacing in a vehicle? What do I have in the vehicle? Where am I going? Um, and then the other thing is, is it going to be better when I get there? You may displace and then say, I'm going back to my vehicle, but now you can't get to your vehicle because it's plowed in, right? So there's a lot of considerations. Just be smart with whatever you do. Okay. X, MR, X, Zomb 13. I'm guessing it's X, Mr. X, Zombie 13. How should I go about changing my prep plans for a new region in the U.S., moving from Florida to PA soon? Oh, man. Florida is very different than Pennsylvania, right? 
You're going to experience four seasons in Pennsylvania. You're going to experience snow. Florida, um, gorgeous area. There's a lot of places that are nice down there. You usually have to worry about hurricanes down there. Pennsylvania, not so much for hurricanes, but you will have to worry about blizzards. So I would say get ready for the cold before anything else. Get ready to uh, experience the four seasons. Get ready to experience leaves. Get ready to experience ticks. Those are fun. Um, you will have mosquitoes. You're also going to have the same humidity there as Florida, right? But just not the same type of heat, right? Florida, you get that mugginess. Um, Pennsylvania, it can get muggy, but it's not always that way. So just get ready for the seasons. They will change. Okay, next question. DSM 16 underscore best day pack three day. Is it Kadiru? I'm guessing you want to say Kafaru. Answer is yes. I already answered that one. That is the shape charge. Max Qtech, will Fieldcraft Survival make some videos about other bug out vehicles? Example, ships, helis, and planes. <laughs> um, you know, I say this as I'm in the studio of Fieldcraft training. We have a sign right outside the door that says, real training for real people. And what we mean by that is, is that we're going to train you to what most people are going to encounter. Not everyone has a ship. Not everyone has a helicopter. Not everyone has a plane. Um, as a bug out vehicle. Some people don't even have a car. So I think you're going to see us do more videos on realistic bug out um, options than the ones that only the 1% may have. Now, if you're looking for good bug out options for those, Doug Ritter, who runs Equipped to Survive, does have aviation survival kits listed on his website and things like that, as well as bailout bags. And I wrote an article years ago for a magazine called Survivor's Edge on the bailout bag, which you may still be able to find online. Okay. A underscore black 1911. What is your opinion on the 5.7 round? Is it practical for survival slash outdoor use? 5.7 is a screamer. 5.7, when you can get the good AP rounds, if you can get them, they do what they're intended to do. But it's a little needle. Um, and that round is not a round that you're going to find when you travel from state to state in your mom and pop store. So I always like that concept of, can I resupply in the field? 5.7 is not as common as nine millimeter, 45. It's not as common as 308, uh, 30-06, 300 Win Mag, 12 gauge, 22 long rifle. I like standard rounds. You know, I kind of broke from that when I got 6.5 Creedmoor, but 6.5 Creedmoor has gotten so popular, you can find it pretty much anywhere. And if you know a good reloader, it pretty much takes the same casing as a 308, uh, just changing the dimensions. So is it practical? Not really, man. I hate to burst your bubble. Okay. Backcountry Subi. Do you have fungus on your toenails? If so, what have you done to treat it? No. Um, I love Mike Lover. Mike is my Asian or half Asian brother from another mother. Uh, Mike always is posting his toes. I don't post mine. I got like long finger toes, but I don't have toe fungus. I know that some people, uh, can get like a special soap that has something in it. Um, and a lot of jujitsu guys wash with that soap, but I don't, I don't know the first thing about that. Um, I don't have a fungus. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Brian Delaney with the Polaris being hard to get, what are some, sm uh, other small batched fixed blades you'd recommend. Okay. So the Polaris is my signature knife. I've designed a lot of knives over the years for different companies. Um, but the Polaris is one that 
started off with just the knife for me. And it's made by Scott Gossman. Scott is a deer hunter. Scott is retired from a, a career. He's doing knives on the side. I mean, it's his full-time job, but he's doing it whenever he wants. So it's not easy to get a Polaris knife. And when you do get one, you're lucky because they sell out in minutes uh, or seconds, depending on what steel he's using. So obviously this question makes sense. What are some other options that are out there? And you have a few. Similar to the Polaris in specs is the KE Bushy from Kohuda Knives. Russell Reese is the owner of Kohuda, and Russell will take orders when he is taking orders. Um, Russell's also an outdoorsman. He loves fishing and he loves hunting, so you got to time it right. But I would recommend getting the KE Bushy. And the cool thing about that one, the Polaris was never offered in a Scandi. Um, I like the Scandi grind. I think it's a great option for a bushcraft knife. Um, but the Polaris was originally full convex. The KE Bushy, you can get flat grind, convex grind. Um, you can get it with the Scandi grind. So if you want to get something like that, I'd highly recommend that. Um, that'll feel very similar to the KE Bushy. I'm sorry, KE Bushy and Polaris will feel very similar. Now, there are other knives that are out there that I'll recommend right off the top of my head, like smaller hands, get a Falneven F1. You can find them pretty much everywhere. Um, you can find them on eBay. You can get them uh, through Amazon. The 3G is a great steal, but so is uh, ATS 34. So is VG 10. Fantastic steals. That's if you have smaller hands or you want a knife that's going to be more like survival knife, carried a lot, used not as much, although you can use a hell of a lot, um, but it does have a smaller grip. If you go to Ben's Backwoods and you get the Garberg that's been reprofiled by him, it's got a slightly shorter than four inch blade, which is my preference. And I've been using that knife like hell. I mean, my God, beating that thing, uh, being, bleh, can't talk, coffee, stand by. I've been beating on that knife like crazy and I've got the stainless steel version. So there's stainless steel and carbon. You guys can decide which one you want, but that's another good option from Ben's Backwoods. And then from there, I mean, the knife that we used to use at the Wilderness Learning Center was the Bark River Fox River. Uh, much love to Jackie and, and Mike Stewart and the crew out there. Guys, go with that one, right? Fox River is a great knife. All right, moving on. Snowmaker underscore 19. Love the way you are always showing new things to all of us. Appreciate you, sir. Uh, Snowmaker, you're welcome. Uh, myself, Kevin Owens, Jerry, Kirsten, our crew out here, we love sharing skills. We want to level you up. So you're welcome. Also from Snowmaker underscore 19, cream, sugar, or black. Today I put cream in here. I was just kind of feeling it. Um, usually if I'm in the woods though, it's black just because of that's all I'm carrying. It's just coffee. Okay, next question. Almost done here. Andre underscore Dallingen. Survival class coming to Florida. Swamp survival 2023. You know, I don't mind the swamp. Um, swamp is nasty. We've got plenty of swamp out here in North Carolina. So I would say you'd sooner find a course here in Aberdeen than you will down in Florida. But if you have property down in Florida and you want to invite us down and you can put asses in seats, we will come to Florida. I will sweat it out down there. And uh, if someone gets bitten by a cottonmouth, Hopefully they sign the release, but you know, you can also have like a whole bunch of like random, like strange Florida people down there, right? Like if you ever want to have fun, go on Google, put in your birthday and then the words Florida man, and just look at the headline that comes up. Okay. BK now 33 bag everyday carry. All right. It's this bag. You've heard Kafaru 
mentioned a few times. Well, this is my Kafaru Antero. It's a Gen 1 Antero. Um, and what do I carry in here? Well, I carry this to work. So I've got my tripod in here since I provide the finest low budget media. You know, the, the, the film crew that's usually with me is me, myself, and I. So I've got my tripod. Um, I've got medical gear and some food inside here. Uh, I have a water bottle. I have a rain jacket. I've got stuff for charging my phones. Um, bag everyday carry. It's truly everyday carry. I make sure that I go through that bag inside and out before I take it on a flight. Um, I try not to put any weapons or ammo in that bag because I don't want to get stopped by TSA, which stands for taking scissors away or touching sensitive areas, depending on who you talk to. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, that's my bag everyday carry. Okay. Ah, this next one comes from the very lovely, uh, Anna Richmond, 1925. How would you make your perfect grilled cheese? Okay. Well, it all starts with the cheese, right? Most people are going to say bread, but bread's not everything. I like a good smoky Gouda. So I want to like take the cheese out of the refrigerator and like let it get to room temperature, not to the point where it's sweating and it's getting all gross like a charcuterie board, you know, like a really expensive platter of sweating meat. <laughs> I want I want to start off with a good Gouda. Best grilled cheese I've ever had in my life was at this place in Los Angeles called the Soho House. I was actually uh, with my buddy Dave, the one that I taught at the former NCIS LA director. Uh, and I had this grilled cheese. It was a braised short rib grilled cheese. And I, I'm not joking. I'm sitting here. I'm eating my grilled cheese. Dave is to my right. I look up and two tables away is Marissa Tomei. And Dave is like, Kev, get your get your tongue back in your mouth. I'm like, Dave, it's Marissa Tomei. And she is gorgeous. And he's like, stop it. Stop it. You're staring. I'm like, I don't know if I will ever have this experience again. And she's beautiful. So sorry to digress, but my perfect grilled cheese would probably be to mimic that. I would get short ribs. I'd put them in a sous vide for like 24 hours. I'd make them fall off the bone. Um, I would then finish them in a smoker and then I would do the Gouda and then the bread, you got to butter all sides of the bread. So we're talking bottom of the, I'm sorry, the bottom of the bottom layer, the top of the bottom layer, the bottom of the top layer and the top of the top layer. And then you just cover that thing in butter. And now what type of bread? Maybe like a brioche, I don't know, or focaccia. I don't know, some type of like artsy fartsy bread. So it would be that. All right, last two questions, here we go. You guys have stuck with me this long, we're at like 40 minutes. And this is like question number 27 and 28. So Chris underscore Froley, do you have a good pemmican recipe? Pemmican is a traditional food that's that explorers used to eat, which was dried meat, dried fruits, nuts, and then there was rendered beef fat that was put over the top of it. Very, very high calorie uh, food. Some people don't like it because that dried beef was ground into a powder and then they don't like what's considered in the, the cooking world as what's called mouthfeel because it has like a, like a gritty, grainy, almost like a, like a fatty paste texture to it. Do I have a good recipe? The answer is no. I do have a recipe from the Wilderness Learning Center, which was um, cranberries and, and cranberries. And I want to say we used almonds with the dried beef. You never use banana chips. Um, the banana chips absorb moisture and it'll cause it to uh, not last as long. But pemmican is ridiculously caloric. 
If you find a good recipe, put it in the comments below um, if you're watching this on YouTube. All right, last question. Here we go. River underscore rat MJ. Backup heat safety reminders. So I'm assuming with this one, you're talking about like a propane heater that you're using if your main heater goes down. Uh, be vigilant, okay? Hopefully you're not, you're not just leaving this unattended. And if you're using this, like say like in a vehicle, like if you're doing the toilet paper with the rubbing alcohol, you know, uh, candle, you're not using it in a place where, you know, you're going to knock it over and, and cause a big fire. So what are my safety reminders? Be vigilant. If you're vigilant and you're watching it and you're handling it carefully, chances are you're not going to have any issues. Don't leave things running when you fall asleep. Don't leave things running where you can knock it over when you fall asleep. Um, so that's my ultimate reminder for those. All right, guys. So that was 28 questions. And you see, I'll answer anything. Sometimes I have an answer. Sometimes I don't. I don't have the answer off the top of my head for Pemmican. My charge to, uh, to myself is if I don't have an answer, I'm never going to say, well, you know, I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of, you know, nonsense. No, I will admit it, right? We're human. You guys are asking questions because you don't have answers. And instead of putting out a lot of bad information, I'm going to put out information that I actually do know. I'm also going to continue drinking coffee. So if you guys have more questions, there will be another one of these coffees and questions in 2023. This is just the first. And you can ask whatever questions you want. If I know it, I will tell it to you. If I don't know it, I'll tell it. I will get back to you. So look for on my Instagram, which is Stella Wild Ed. I will put up that pemmican recipe at some point. And whether this podcast comes out before or after that, scroll back and forth a couple of weeks and you'll probably, you'll probably find it. So Guys, with that being said, I'm going to continue my coffee. I'm going to get out of here and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this listen. And if you have any more questions, reach out to me. Be happy to answer them. All right, guys, that's been Coffee and Questions. Thanks for listening.